Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Jane with us here today, who is a natural connector and got her start in media through Michigan Radio in 1980. She soon traveled west and worked at legendary radio stations such as KTYD, Santa Barbara, KGB, KSON, and KBS 95 in San Diego. She also received the prestigious Marconi Award for her work on 98.1 KIFM. Her natural curiosity led her to expand her business by including marketing in her social media. When anyone asks her what she does for a living, she responds, I connect inspired people with one another, especially those with a desire to help others. Oh, I love that. Jane has been involved in many international missions. She is part of a team for the past five years that has been building homes in Tijuana for families in need. She has also traveled to El Salvador to feed the homeless, Malaysia to help build a school on Borneo, and Ar- Armenia to work with women and children in the small village of Armartaza. Is that right, Jane? Did I yeah. Recently, she was in the Dominican Republic, on a humani- Dominican Republic on a humanitarian mission. After years in broadcasting, voiceover, and social media, she is finally answering her true calling, writing. Her forthcoming books deal with her fascination and connection with souls that have been transitioned. She is actively in research mode and writing daily. Her show on Empower, The Next Room, is part of her attraction process and research for her book. Jane, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Jesse, thank you for having me on. I'm, it's, um, it's a pleasure and I'm so used to being on the radio. So this was like a big deal. I said to my son, I'm like, I have to put makeup on <laughs> I do something with my hair. And, you know, obviously we haven't, I haven't had to go anywhere. So it's been uh, yoga pants and no makeup and they uh, have not uh, made friends with a curling iron in a long time. So thank you for having me on. You're very welcome, Jane. And you're, you're speaking my language. I cannot tell you how many days I have realized I have forgotten to brush my teeth. I have <laughs> looked down at my shirt and said, why is there toothpaste there? I haven't brushed my teeth yet today. And then I realized, oh, wait, that's probably yesterday's toothpaste. I also have to say, I just realized, you know, folks who are on radio, you do such an amazing job when you're speaking to allow the letters of the station to just roll off your tongue where it sounds so easy to say. I had no idea what an acquired skill that was because that's the first time I've ever read multiple station designations in a row. And that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. That's why a lot of them like, like K-Tide is, you know, instead of KTYD, that was only at the top of the hour when we had to identify, but everyone knows it as K-Tide or the Tide. Um, at least they did back in the day when I worked there. So, mm. and it's still around, which, you know, God bless K-Tide, you know, it's a, it's amazing. We have like alumni groups and, we try to stay pretty close. That was that was a magical time in radio for sure. Incredible. I there's a there's a organization in Santa Barbara that I do some partnerships with, and they do a annual event every year around Christmas where they they have trees that you can go. They call it light up a night, and it's uh, the Hospice of Santa Barbara, and you can go and get little stars to put on the tree to honor your loved ones and the. The host of on K Tide, the morning show, I think they usually are the the people who chair that and are the speakers and kind of facilitate that whole thing every year. That would be Lynn Obershawn. Yep, is, she's just amazing. Yep, Lenny is good people, man. She has been working at that radio station for a long, long time. 
So she is, um, she has her heart in the community of Santa Barbara. She's, she's awesome. That's incredible. You know, speaking of heart, Jane, we were talking a little bit beforehand and I'm hoping this is a good launching point for our conversation. You were mentioning to me how you ha you received a message from one of your friends that said, I can't wait to hug you. Mm. I can't wait to hug you. And we were talking about what a beautiful message that was and that we're all feeling this almost collective desire to want to reach out and hug and touch our loved ones. And how prior to this whole COVID thing, that was such a rare message to even hear or to receive because we're so consumed with the other stuff. Oh, you know, where are you going to be at 12 o'clock? I have these appointments, these appointments. What, you know, did that message, how did that message make you feel to receive it? And then, you know, I guess the second part of that is, is did it give you pause to consider what kind of world you think could be emerge from this time that we're all in? I'll start with the first part. Um, I'm going to get choked up. It, it, I could feel her like mm. a friend who um, would come to my house and that she would just literally, I'd open my door and she would fall in my arms. So I could feel her, like I could feel Kelly heart to heart. Um, and it just, I, I was, I just loved it. I loved it. And I wrote her back and I said, girlfriend, <laughs> as soon as we're able, um, I cannot wait to put a pot of coffee on and have you come over to the house and we're going to hug for quite a while before we sit down to have a cup of coffee and chew the fat. Um, so it, it just made me like, I'll have to tell her, I'm going to have to tell her after this show how much those small words meant, you know, cause she really, she meant it and it touched me. So, wow, I can't believe that brought out so much emotion. Okay. So the second part is, um, what, what I hope to, to see from this or what, what I'll come out of, of, uh, this whole COVID-19 is, I hope, I really hope that we don't live in fear. I hope that all of my friends still want to hug me mm. and that we don't lose that, that compassion of holding the door open for someone or shaking someone's hand when we greet them. I mean, I get it. I get that this thing has probably forever changed a lot of people and how we're going to move forward. But for me, touch is essential. I mean, I'm a hugger, you know, I'm a, I, I love seeing, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that when I greet people. I've always had a good firm handshake and, and I hope that someone still wants to shake my hand. Um, boy, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. I, the couple of my friends I've seen during this time and we've done the elbow bumps. It's such an awkward thing because I've always been a hugger. And I, I learned that from my friend, when my friend took his life, who I had shared with you about before, one of the biggest lessons I learned from him was the value of a hug. And the reason I learned that lesson is he used to work at a, at a, a well-known local restaurant bar in Santa Barbara on the wharf there, on the upstairs in Longboards, which is on top of, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the one below it, but it's on the wharf. So it's a fixture in Santa Barbara, very popular tourist spot. It's the Longboard? Yeah, yeah. And Down by Brophy's? On the other one, on the other side of it. On so the, the one on the main, on Stern's Wharf, it's next to where Moby Dix is and oh, 
Okay. Yeah. And I remember one time going in there and he was behind the bar. It was very busy. And I remember when he saw me, he stopped what he was doing. And that bar isn't like a bar where there's a walk in and out place. You had to duck underneath the table and almost kind of crawl out for the bartender. And he was a big guy too. He was, you know, six foot, six foot one, maybe 230 pounds. And I remember he looked over, he saw me, stopped what he's doing. It's a busy bar. He walked, he got under, ducked underneath the little crawl space, came out and gave me a hug. And this was maybe, you know, a few months before he died. And I, it was funny because in that moment, I had the presence of being aware that there was something special about that. But I still felt, you know, it's kind of strange. Like, I'm in my early 20s. Like, you know, guys were not taught to hug like that. And I think about that so often. So I've established those relationships now, kind of in honor of him with so many of my friends where we hug. And then to have this, it's been such a disconnect. And it feels like there's this almost like, well, I want to hug you, but I'm not supposed to type place. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it is it's such a funny thing how we find that those, those little interactions that we used to have, that maybe we just didn't take into consideration because it's who we were how much more they mean now. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you for um, being a man who will hug because you're right. You know, I mean, it's, it's um, for so many, I mean, centuries, you know, you're the man, don't cry. Um, you're not allowed to feel things. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, that I, I love a good sensitive guy. I want, you know, and, and I, I did men, and I just think that they, you know, my dad was a hugger, and my brother is a hugger, and my husband's a crier. So, you know, uh, fortunately, I think that we've raised uh, our son's a young man in his 20s, and, and he's a hugger, and I just think that that's really key. So good for you. Don't stop hugging. I mean, when, when we are allowed and, and we know everybody is safe and no one's going to transmit this horrible virus to anyone, I certainly hope we can go back heart to heart because there's nothing greater than feeling another person's heartbeat, you know? And that's what you're doing when you, when you put your chest to next, next to someone, you know, it's, it's, um, it's beautiful. Jane, you've, you've spent much of your life using your voice and communicating through language and evolving it now into writing and using words to tell stories and express ideas and feelings. And you, you said something a moment ago and it was so, as you said it, it struck me so deeply how much small words can mean. In your experience, how, how impactful are words to the, to the lives of the people who watch and listen and read? Wow. Words are just, I just love them so much. I mean, I, boy, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever thought about their, I mean, I know they're important and I write every single day and I read every single day and, and I, I love words. Like I love a good thesaurus, you know, I'm constantly, when I'm writing my blog or writing different pieces for both of the books that I'm doing, um, I'm aware of the impact and the power that words have. Um, it's just so beautiful. Language is beautiful. 
That's a good question. Do you, I'm curious too, then when you're writing, and, and let me preface this by saying, I, I, I truly believe in many cases, language is life, right? We use language to give life to whatever it is we believe. And I think that one of the blessings in the world and the digital world we live in is, is that it's given us all platforms to be able to give more life to experiences. But the, the other side of that is it's also given us platforms to use language in a way that can be very divisive or inject more fear. And I'm wondering as somebody who, you know, you're spending so much time with words and with writing and with your radio work and your time in media, when you're when you're going into that mode of communication is there something or someone that you focus on that you use as kind of like a central piece that you're going to 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 use as a north star to bring out whatever's inside not to get all woo woo uh, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> i like woo woo you know i really tap into my higher power so hmm. call it what you will for me it's always been god and for me, God is love. So, you know, I really go there. I really ask for guidance to be able to articulate properly the message of love that I'm about to put forth. So, um, and my mother is a huge influence as well. I mean, my mother, she put books in my hands and allowed me to just be uh, a very peculiar child. You know, I mean, she, she didn't think I was weird. I know now reflecting back, I was kind of a weird kid, but um, she let that, she let me, you know, do that. You know, she let me explore that side, that curious side that I have. And so I credit her a lot. Um, and she definitely is the inspiration, as a matter of fact, for um, the one book that I'm writing. Um, but it took her death for me to, get busy with that book. So I could, I guess you would say she's my co-author and that might be a little strange for people because she's not in the same room with me, but I'm listening and I'm tuning in and I'm asking her to uh, guide this and guide the book, the messages that need to come forth. So yeah, I'd say God and my mom. That's incredible. I, I want to dive into that a little bit, if we can, with, with connecting with God, higher power. First, is there, is there a ritual or routine that you go about to do that before you write? Because I think this is so important that I believe everybody's born with some sort of deeper, bigger purpose. And I think that one of the things that may handicap us from accessing that is we're not putting the intention that we could behind the words that we use to communicate. And I'm wondering if there's a process that you do, then that maybe it's something that the people watching and listening could evolve of their own process with that too. I think it starts, you know, upon waking. I, I don't even think it's before I write, but it is, I do have a little routine with that as well. But um, I really, really, really try very hard to, wake up with my first thought, thank you. Um, mm. And that has become, you know, I mean, anything through repetition becomes a habit, right? So that is my, 
uh, my habit is to wake up and my first thought is thank you. Um, and then I, um, I sit, I have a reading chair that I love and I sit in my chair and uh, the other thing I try not to do is touch any sort of electronics um, because I think that, that that shakes us back into, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this, is, this has become our reality, right? Um, but without it, we can go so much deeper without, without that little phone or without the computer screen or without checking Facebook and see what everybody had for dinner last night. I just really try to go very quietly inside and then I start my uh, prayerful meditation, which I, I take in everybody. I mean, and, and it gets expansive as I go. I, I start with my family and then I work out to neighbors and friends and regions and, and then I work out to further out into the universe um, and just try to bless everybody, you know, and, and I try to take people in my life that, that have maybe um, not treated me so kindly in the past. And I, I send them just tons of love. I mean, I, I have diffused almost every negative situation in my life by, um, by sending love. Because I think that it's, it, I think, I know they're all energy. And so if you're sending somebody, you know, a hateful message, it's like sending a poisonous letter. Um, but if you're sending them love, they're going to receive that love. Even if they're maybe don't think you're their favorite person, um, they can't help but feel that vibration and they're going to receive that. So mm. I do meditation, I do my prayer, um, I do some spiritual reading, and then I really like to get busy with my writing. So I think I just kind of get set. I get in that mindset that that's where I am. And then from there, um, better writing comes. And I also, you know, a little tip for writing is I ask for guidance from the brilliant writers before me, you know, um, why not? Why not call upon some of the greats and, and just, you know, just say, hey, you know, you got a message for me? I'm open and I'm here and I have a pen and paper or a computer and I can write. So pass it along. What do you have for me, Walt? You know? Yeah. You know. You know, that's so, that's incredible. And I think, was it Napoleon Hill that wrote about it in Think and Grow Rich, how his, his initial mastermind was with people like Abraham Lincoln and Napoleon Hill and Julius Caesar. And, and I think he had maybe Christ in there and all these different people that had been long past, but he would just imagine putting himself at the table with these people and have conversations with them. And God, you know, I haven't thought about that so long, but I'm so grateful you shared that because what a powerful resource that we all have. Absolutely. Right. Is to construct those conversations with those folks and allow that blueprint of who they are inside of us to guide us in what we do. Especially if you believe in the premise that we are all connected, which I do. Um, I just think we are all woven together from a huge tapestry of humanity. And so if, if those that have gone before us, the brilliant writers or, or inventors or, you know, like Jesus, what a cool dude, right? Um, if we can tap into all of those that have gone before us and just ask, just ask for guidance from the higher power, um, mm -hmm. 
I don't know because no one really quite knows what's next, but I'm very fascinated with it. And I think that if we can continue to open up and tap into those that have gone before us and those that are still here, um, it's really, it's really key for me anyway. Colleen, you mentioned talking about when you're waking up and you're focusing on being grateful and then you're also sending love out to maybe some of the people who you may not necessarily want to have wronged you or whatnot. I think that's so relevant to now. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who are hurting, a lot of people are frustrated, a lot of people who are angry. And anger is such a powerful energy, right? And it's something that when we, you know, the, the challenge with anger is most of that fear derives from us feeling so uncertain about our health and certain about our future and certain about our economic space. And anger is kind of the yin to the yang of that in the sense of it's an anecdote to it. When we feel angry, it gives us something to feel certain about. We can feel certain in our anger. We can feel justified, right, and all that. So it's like one of the fastest ways that uncertainty is to get angry, even though that may be in displaced energy. Have you always been someone who was able to just send love to those who may have wronged you or upset you? Or is that, is that something that you've evolved over time? And if so, was there a catalyst to getting to that place where you're able to do that? Good question. Um, it's a learned behavior for mm. certain, um, at least in, in my circumstance. I just feel like it's just those life lessons have, have been shown and the right teachers have come to me. Um, I guess I've always been a seeker. When I was a very little girl, I was, I was the girl that would sit and ask Pastor Mall questions all the time. I'm like, well, what about the Ice Age? And well, how can that be happening? You know, and as I'm going through catechism, I was always um, questioning. Uh, and, and my folks were cool about it. You know, I was raised Christian, but uh, once I moved to Santa Barbara, I, I started meeting different people mm -hmm. that had bigger and different ideas than how I was raised in a very buttoned down Christian environment. Not that it was bad. It was actually beautiful and really great because I was taught that there was something bigger than me. Um, but then once you start meeting other people, you learn that there's many doors you know, there's many doors and uh, no one's got a lock on it, you know, so we have to just keep opening up and learning. So it has been a learned behavior and it's been years and years and years of, of listening and reading and being open to other opinions. Um, and the thing about love is just, I, you know, anger eats its own container. So, you know, I get angry, sure, but I try to kind of get up out of myself and look down at myself and then I see how ridiculous I'm acting with that mm -hmm. anger and then you know really try to laugh at myself and get back to uh, being in a space of love because it's really it's the only thing that matters the, all the other stuff this is just a big grand illusion right you know um, worried about lack worried about your job or finances or any of it in a heartbeat, we could be gone and be on to the next plateau or the next level or the next room, whatever it is. Um, so really, what are we really, what are we angry about? You know, mm. is it really gonna serve us? Not me. 
So mm -hmm. definitely, um, I don't know, just listening, having friends like Pam Osley, who constantly help expand, um, you know, she's fascinating to talk with. And I've known Pam for years and years. Um, so it's, it's been a collection of time. I'm 59, so I've got a few years on you. You're pretty evolved for being a young man. Yeah, life has blessed me with, a, I think, a lot of experiences. And I think you combine experiences with curiosity about the human condition. Plus, I think my, at my core, I've always had this innate desire to want to help people. I, I remember very vividly being eight, nine years old around that age and having this exactly where I was standing, exactly what I was doing and having this feeling move through me that there was something greater reason I was here. I didn't have the language for it at the time. So in my, you know, my limited nine-year-old vocabulary, it was like, oh, maybe that's supposed to be president or something like that. Because that was the biggest sure. thing I could think of at that time. But yeah, you know, I think that, I think life really does bless us with experiences if we choose to receive it as blessings, yeah. even the hard stuff. Yeah. It is cool, though, that you mentioned that because um, I don't know why, but ever since I was a little girl, I always knew that I was put here to do something pretty cool. And, and that I've always just been driven by that. And I, I don't know what that is, but I really love helping people. I love, um, I love connecting good people to one another. Um, it's really kind of a passion of mine and it's easy for me because I've had a very charmed, fabulous life and I've met so many neat, interesting, forward-thinking human beings that to take this one and connect it to this one is just like, wow, I love it. It's, um, it's really one of my favorite things to do. I, I mean, like meeting you, I'm like, I, I'm already going, oh, I need to introduce him to Sarah and I need to talk to him about Brent and I have to show him to Brett. And, you know, I mean, there's just, there's this swirling wonderful energy when we really want to help each other. We, mm -hmm. I want to help you rise up and by helping you, I'm going to help myself. And I don't do it to help myself, but you can't help but help yourself when you're helping someone else. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. I so appreciate you sharing that, Jane. And uh, the reason why is what I, one of the things I've realized for me in doing this series is I have had a, you know, as much as I might think I have an abundance mindset, I realize I've struggled with a scarcity mindset in many ways, especially when it comes to maybe, you know, sharing the spotlights lack of a better, for lack of a better word with someone, because I worry that, oh, does it devalue me as an expert? Is it going to be everything that I built for, you know, my childhood insecurities of coming up of me being enough, me being worthy, me being deserving, deserving me, being the one who wants to help people to all those types of things to fix the problems maybe. Mm -hmm. And I realize in so doing that I've often withheld the opportunity to help mm -hmm. raise others up unless I was working with them in a professional capacity, just, you know, nothing like this before when I probably had the ability to do it. And I have felt such a deep sense of abundance in doing this series. Good because I realize it's such an incredible space to share with someone like yourself to, 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 to meet interesting people and to think, Oh, who would this person be great to know? And, and they mash up, match up appropriate missions and whatnot. And, 
Yeah, I just, I really appreciate you sharing that because as a testimonial to what you said, there really is a tremendous joy that is, comes from giving and supporting and connecting and, and doing those beautiful things like that. Yeah, it really is, Jesse. I, I can't, can't express to you enough how important it is that we all work together and that we share our level of expertise and we share our connections and not to say that we have to give away everything we have. That's not it. And I, I applaud you for wanting to make money and, and I support you, but a generous and gracious heart and leading with that just brings you more of that. There's just no way around it. It's, it, we're set up to help one another. And the more that we help one another, in turn, you just help yourself. So for you, I mean, this is, this is very good for you and it's a good lesson. Um, and, and you'll see, it just, it works like that. Like I keep, you know, people just find me because I'm always willing to connect them with someone that might be able to help them. And I, I don't turn a profit from anything like that, ever. I mean, that's, I would never, ever, ever try to connect someone and say, hey, you want to slide me a few bucks? Um, it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, money finds me anyway, you know, because mm. again, it's just, it's just money. Jane, we, we only have about a minute left. Sure. And I, I just had one other question I was hoping to ask. The notion of your mom as a co-author, I'm yeah. wondering, I'm wondering about how because my vision, as you say that, is not only what an incredible co-author she might be, but for those who are listening, watching, who may not be writers, they may have a loved one that could be the co-author of their life, whatever the new chapter of their life is that they're writing right now. And especially since we're in this kind of time of transition where at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of the COVID, corona, quarantine lockdown, and there will be a transition as we emerge out of this, a new chapter, really a new chapter of life for so many of us, for, for all of us. Your mom's presence as a co-author, how does that impact your writing and that does it, does it change the experience of writing in a way that it maybe it makes it more meaningful, it makes it more intentional? How does that show up for you? She had a wisdom that bubbled up from her belly. She had the ability to, um, you were never a stranger in my mother's presence. Complete, it, people she didn't know would walk up to her on the beach in Florida and, and just when they were on vacation and, and want to be near her. It was just the way she was. And mm. uh, I, just, I just know that there are is a message there and she is sharing it through me and I was working with a very good friend that happens to be uh, plugged in is like a medium um, and she was giving me messages from my mother and I was transcribing them and everything and then finally um, I was told that I could do it without having to use another source that I actually could just tune in, get quiet, and receive that message from my mom. 
And so that's been a big shift for me, which has been great. Um, and she is my co-author and she's except, you know, she's really excited about it. And she, my mother wrote beautiful, beautiful letters and, and I saved everything, you know, which is, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She's just, um, she's just right there, Jesse. She's just sitting right here, just saying, go Jane, go. So, um, I guess just tune in and listen to your loved ones that have left and gone to the next room because I truly believe that they can communicate with us if we're only open and willing to just get quiet and listen to our heart because that's where they're, they're coming through. That's beautiful. Thank you. Everyone. Wow. What a special time this was. Rewatch, re-listen, take notes and apply. Jane shared so much from the heart, whether it's the, the meaning of a hug and letting people know. We were actually talking beforehand, like what a world it would be is if we all just started letting the people know, even when we're not quarantined, about how much we can't wait to hug them again. You know, what a sacred time it would be to your loved ones to start planning right now the time that you can get together, put on the pot of coffee, sit down and embrace about the notion of how much small world words mean. You know, each of us have this amazing ability right now through our voice, through our, for our fingers, about putting out energy into the world through the language that we choose. To be mindful of the language you choose, to consider the power and the impact your words have on other people. The, the joy that comes in connecting with other people, to rise others up and in so doing, you honor that of the whole, to, to really taking the time to offer up forgiveness and love to those who may have hurt you and wronged you. That perhaps love is and can be and always will be the antidote to anger and frustration and fear. Gosh, what a notion that would be is if when you first woke up, before you reached over to your phone and looked at what was going on and read some of the headlines that got you fired up or read some text messages or whatever it was, you spent a couple minutes lying there in bed, breathing in and noticing your breath and saying thank you for being alive and sort of reciting what you're grateful for and sending love out into the world. And last but not least, the, God, the image of her mom being a co-author, it, 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 it moves me so deeply because I've often lived most of my life with that, with loved ones that I've lost being the influences and the guides in my life too. And I, I submit this to all of you as this, you know, perhaps there's a loved one that you've lost recently or maybe a little bit longer ago than recently. And maybe, just maybe, they've been trying to reach out to you, trying to connect with you, trying to get you to open that space in your head and your heart to allow them to be the co-author of your life for the new chapter that you're going to write beyond today. Jane, this has been such an amazing gift. Thank you so much for being here, your presence, your energy, and your, your love that you shared with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I was just completely my pleasure. And when we do meet in person, I will be hugging you. Me too. Likewise. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It was Absolutely. really fun. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next time in another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to